we should clarify, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just wanking on the webcam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can that be the opening to this And welcome to Running Down Corridors, where we navigate the Hooniverse. I'm Martin, and joining me this week, I have Chris. Hello. And Sam. Hello. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Good, yeah, thank you. Good. How are you? I'm all right. It's a new week. It's a new episode. It is. Yeah, we've had a lot of positive feedback regarding the podcast recently, so I just wanted to thank people who have been saying some kind words about us. Oh, thank you, yeah. guys. That's lovely. Thank you. Always good to hear. Yeah, so what are we here to talk about? Maybe I'll hand it over to you, Sam, because I know this is a story you've wanted to talk about for a while. <laughs> I think it's probably I've been wanting to talk about it since we ever started uh, recording, and that is uh, Resurrection of the Daleks. A classic, an absolute classic, for, for, for many strange reasons. <laughs> to me, still, it stands out as one of the most... It's weird where it sits in the history of the show. It sticks out in that series as well. And actually, the whole classic era for kind of how brutal it is, how violent it is, how serious it is, and the way that I feel that all three characters change throughout the whole episode. It, it, yeah, oh God. It's, it's, complete, it's a classic. It's completely left field, isn't it? It's just, you're watching, uh, what's the episode just before it? Is it Frontios? And you're yeah. just watching that, and then suddenly goes, oh, they're trapped in the time corridor. What could happen in this exciting event? Jesus Christ! <laughs> when did you both first discover this story? It was my second VHS. Um, oh, okay. We, I was still watching John Pertwee episodes on um, UK Gold at that point, and there was a shop in Romford, and they had in there Doctor Who VHS. And I'm talking the old labels as well. Like, you've got your... You know, like the old spear from space. Well, I remember that. That was my first VHS I got. But the second one, which I got with pocket money, was Resurrection of the Daleks, with a, which featuring a doctor I'd not yet seen before. And when I put it in and put that on and it had the title sequence, it blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, cool, this is cutting edge. Some bits of it still stick with me and like sort of twitches in the eye. But... Uh, Ultimately, I just remember it being, this is a very different episode to the John Pertwee's ones I'm watching at the moment. <laughs> and what about you, Sam? It was actually my first ever VHS. Ooh. Uh, oh. It was, I got it for Christmas, 1993. I was five years old when I first watched it. <laughs> what happened is, I think I've told the story before, I got into Doctor Who when they were repeating the classic series on, on, on BBC Two in 1992 in the lead up to the 30th anniversary. And um, they, big shout to, uh, my, uh, what's his name? Um, <laughs> big shout to a man whose name I can't remember. Um, oh, <laughs> who's the guy who does the low, he does like stuff on Martin something. Not, not, not Martin here. Um, I'll take the credit. <laughs> Adam Martin. That's what I'm thinking of. All right, can't, oh, I can't yeah. ask this question again. I'll answer from the start. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. 
Well, it was actually my first VHS I ever bought. Interesting. Um, Tell me more. Well, I say I, I, I didn't buy it. It was, uh, it was bought for me for Christmas 1993, so I was five years old. And I think I've told the story before that I got into Doctor Who when my parents let me watch the repeats in 1992 on BBC2 in the lead-up to the 30th anniversary. They showed some um, classic Doctor stories. And in fact, it was recently covered by Adam Martin in his um, History of Doctor Who ratings. He talked about the ratings that were shown in this this um, period of the wilderness years. And the first episode I ever saw was, believe it or not, uh, The Mind Robber, which will probably really mess you up as an adult. So to watch it as I think a three or four-year-old was pretty crazy. Then I remember The Sea Devils, John Pertwee's story. And then it was kind of on every now and then. I think I, The Demons was shown as well, and I was really scared of that. But it was a thing, you know, my parents had sort of shown me this adult show, and I, I thought it was really good. And so my uncle, finding out I was watching Doctor Who, saw that they were repeating the Dalek movies with Peter Cushing on Sky Movies. So he said, well, I'll take them for Sam, and he can watch them. And obviously... Four years old, I absolutely loved them. I watched them on repeat. Both of them I, I thought were great. You know, bright coloured Daleks. They shoot smoke. It's all very sort of fun. It's kind mm. of 60s kind of camp. It was great, you know. So then Christmas is coming. My parents said, well, we'll get him a Doctor Who video. What does he like? Well, he likes Daleks. What's this one called? Resurrection of the Daleks. This would be fun. So there I am on Boxing Day, 1993, sat with my cousins, and I put on what I expect to be a sort of Peter Cushing-esque story. I did notice on the front it was a different Doctor Who, and that's fine. I recognized him from uh, Dimensions in Time, so I kind of knew who he was. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I was expecting uh, Daleks, all very fun, and I expected this very fun Doctor running around Albert Square. And the, the the episode opens with just a blunt massacre. A policeman who at that age is, you know, this sign of safety, PC plod, just shooting machine guns, machine gun fire at these men as they collapse on the floor, ending with them shooting an old man. And I remember just thinking, oh, this isn't, this isn't how I remember Doctor Who. And I went on to kind of watch it. And I, I mean, what's weird is I really enjoyed it. I remember watching it as a fiver. I'm really enjoying it. And I think probably to this day, it's the most repeat watched episode I've ever gone back and looked at. Probably that and the TV movie I've watched the most. So that was my introduction to it. I, I What's really weird is that I'm more shocked now as an adult by the violence than I ever was as a child. It never stood out to me as a violent no, story. It didn't. Um, yeah. it, I just loved it. I just thought it was a great story. I think it was one of my first. I've got really lovely memories of that Christmas day or Boxing Day when I was five years old and getting home, watching it again and watching it, you know, as regularly as I could all the way through my childhood. And it's only when I got older and I think I saw an interview about it and they said, oh, it's, yeah, it's got a higher kill count than Terminator 1 and 2 put together. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, actually. And then, then sort of getting into the new series again and then watching back some of the classics and thinking, God, this was violent. You know, it's really violent. <laughs> you know, I was used to Daleks kind of shooting smoke at people, and they just sort of made a sort of camp, ah, as they fell on the floor. You know, in this series, you know, they show the results of one getting shot in the face, and his face, he's just lying there, sort of convulsing, and his face is melting. It's lovely. Oh, no, that bit was the, the virus. It follows on some many years after Destiny of the Daleks. Davros is in captivity. And the Daleks are trying to break him out. The prison that he's stored on is an un- is a, a brilliant parody of understaffed and underperforming <laughs> prisons with everything falling apart and so on. They get attacked by the Daleks. 
and they put up a good fight, kind of, before the Daleks release a biological weapon that starts to mutate some of the people in ways I still think looks horrific today. He <laughs> goes, what's happening to me? And what makes it even darker is that the other woman shoots him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grim, isn't it? It's grim. And I don't think the Daleks kill that many people in it. As such, it's usually the Dalek troopers, I think. Am I, am I right or wrong in that? That's the sound what, what, of the weapons, by the what, what, way. If you haven't, the other honestly, if you get around to listening to it or watching it, rather, you listen to the, for those guns and they sound fantastically pathetic. I thought for years that was the people dying. They were going, ow, ow, and I thought, well, they all sound the same. But yeah, it's, <laughs> I will say, though, grim. that Resurrection of the Daleks has my favourite, my favourite deaths in Doctor Who. Okay, what's um, up? My favourite deaths particularly is we're going to spoiler territory now actually no not really i'll just say 40 years old but (laughs) yeah oh yeah you're right yes sod it you haven't watched it fair enough anyway the soldiers when they get taken out by the daleks yeah some of the most (laughs) hammed up hilarious death acting i've ever seen in my life there's one guy who takes approximately 12 seconds to die and he was from when he was shot, and he's there going, ah, 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 he grabs ah, his arm, doesn't he? Convorting himself in several different ways, like, hey, can't go on, um, <laughs> like shattering it up, and then suddenly <laughs> gives up and dies. And it's it's the most, it's so good, so funny. And if Martin shares a clip on uh, uh, when he does this TikTok thingy what's it yeah um, i'll point him in the direction of what that what death unless he knows which <clears> one but the, you've got to see it it's just <laughs> it's my favorite it's absolutely my favorite because all three of them die in succession in this one shot and one's still dying while the other two have just died <laughs> i think we should probably save that and, and talk about we could probably do a whole section on the deaths so i think that's going to be a nice beefy bit to get into but i was going to say for you martin i'm interested because we both found it as kids you know during the wilderness years and all that but we've wanted to do this for a while but you haven't actually seen oh yes resurrection of the daleks so so how did you find it now as an adult coming to it what we know about the new series now the new daleks you've gone back in time gone and watch an 80s episode how did you find it yeah <sighs> You know, I I discovered Doctor Who in 2005. I started hanging around with Doctor Who fans maybe about 2007. And every one of them spoke about this story like, oh, it's so violent. It's Doctor Who does gritty adult drama. I mean, it's not The Wire, is it? I mean, this is more violent. This is a Doctor Who fans' (laughs) idea of a gritty drama. And I will say that maybe as a 40-year-old man in 2022, I'm so far removed from this that I couldn't (laughs) properly engage with it. And the acting in this. Oh, my God. The guy who's asking for a sandwich, it's like Hmm. he's better when he's possessed, which which is really (laughs) weird. So when we did our review of The Power of the Doctor, we were all happy to see Janet Fielding back as Tegan. But at the same time, we all kind of criticised her acting. She came across as a bit wooden, but we put that down to her being rusty. You know, bar the Five-ish Doctor's reboot, 
she hasn't acted in anything since 1985. So we were like, okay, bit rusty, bit rough around the edges, but fine. But watching this, I'm like, has she ever been able to fucking act? <laughs> but, but I will say, I've been listening to the novelization read by Terry Ooh. Malloy. I'm about halfway through and I'm loving it. Right, that that's that's put a pin in that because I'm very interested to hear about that in a bit as well. How do we dissect this one then? Let's stick on the TV for the start. Who actually wrote it? Was it Eric Sayward? It was. It was. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. And I feel like I think we talked about it before. We feel like Eric Sayward had just had enough and just got. Oh, do you know what? I'm fed up of this kids show. I'm just going to put a lot of death in this one. And so should we should we try and get get let's try and get through like a little bit of the plot. Chris mentioned it's kind of the Daleks trying to get Davros back, and that's that's fine. The Doctor gets involved because he gets caught in the time corridor. That's fine. Uh, they 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 break into the the ship where he's being held. Does does Davros have the virus in him? Because it's as soon as he goes near Davros, that virus comes out, doesn't it? They release that gas, don't they? Because I thought he was in the other room, or does it start to spread through the ship? I guess so. Yeah. Later on, there's another virus. They talk about a Mavillan virus. Oh, yeah, that's a different virus. That's that one. Yeah, the Mavillans <coughs> created a virus that wipes out specifically Dalek tissue. Davros thinks he can weaponize that to get Daleks back on his side. Now, this is a bit later on. They got this a bit better. They had grey Daleks versus white Daleks. In this one, they're all grey. And you're kind of trying to remember who's who. Yeah. Like, because you've got, I think, a couple of Daleks who are Davros's Daleks and all that. That's fine. That makes sense. The, the Daleks, I think, is quite nice. Are now using humans as kind of they're working with them because they've become weak. I think that's a really interesting idea. They're using duplicates. So these, so I assume Litton and all that gang, they're, they're duplicates of who they once were, and mm. they're using them and they've brainwashed them and all that. Where I get a bit lost is <laughs> is in lots of it. So I've gone back at it now. I do really enjoy this, but I feel like I feel like there's a little bit of Chibnall in this story. <laughs> in the sense of there's a lot of lost bits and bobs. So the army soldiers, they're investigating this thing. There's a time gorilla. I get that. They, they, what, well, they they think they found a bomb, which is right. It turns out to have been... The a, thing with the Mavellan virus. Yeah. Because it starts off at the beginning, a massacre scene in what is the Thad Chet, uh, Thames area. Mm. Uh, if you will, lovely shop down there uh, now. But uh, at the time, it wasn't. It was just a massacre blood and an old man got shot but the who i think actually got shot that man <laughs> i don't yeah, think he's an extra i think they had, they thought oh, i was cheap we'll just use real guns then this old man just looks genuinely confused when he's shot i, I reckon he was just a bloke that was, was a very realistic performance <laughs> yeah but they, he's um, the best actor in this yeah <laughs> those guys were the ones who took a sample of the mavellan virus but then right. i think someone identified it and thought oh this is suspicious it could be a bomb and then sends in bomb squad that the Daleks then take them and duplicate them, so they now have, yeah, ground force, I suppose. Okay. So, so why is Lytton and his gang just as policemen? Are they, like, guarding that area at all times because of the time corridor? They use the time corridor to get away, and it arrived at the at the warehouse. 
I quite like the way they all die. I think it's really dark. Like, yeah. I think, you know, one gets shot. <laughs> you could do like a top five deaths in this. So the first guy gets shot. We don't see much of him. Mm. One guy just gets shot straight away. Because when he comes back later <laughs> with the rest of them, you sort of go, well, who are you? <laughs> so one guy gets shot and he goes, a great die, puts his arms out and goes, and just sort of flips around and falls on the floor. I have a feeling the actors were ha- having a bit of a competition between them who could do the best death. And then one guy's out, the, then this is where it's really gruesome. And I think maybe, Martin, you might think this one's pretty cool. When the guy, so they've destroyed the Dalek, they've moved it inside, and like, because they can't leave it outside. And then the blob jumps on his neck. That's a pretty sweet. That was actually quite frightening. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about the stories leading up to this, they're very kind of just lasers shooting and big kind of like frontiers. They're just sort of these giant maggoty things, um, hypnotizing people. Daleks exterminating. Yep, sure. But this is a, a big green blob biting someone's neck and you see like the red mark left and it's all poisonous and it's pretty gruesome what was your thoughts on that yeah i can imagine watching this as a kid it must have been terrifying i am so far removed from this story now what i did love seeing is parts of the east end that are no longer there oh yeah yeah that's true yeah so so we got that death and how does he die by the way because does he, he like goes mad, doesn't he? Because the thing bites him and he becomes almost possessed and then he runs off. I'm sure he doesn't get the medical help he needs and then he just dies. Yeah, but you don't sort of see him, do you? you just sort of, I mean, that's quite, I, I find that bit now looking back quite nightmarish that they're in this situation, they keep calling for backup and nothing's happening. Yeah. And watching back on that, I got a bit of anxiety watching that bit. And then you've got the captain gets shot by the policeman. Again, that's dark, holding a gun up to his head. Like, he's just going to get shot through the head. You've then got the rest that another Dalek comes in and shoots them. Now, I think that's really, looking back, I thought, wow, that's a really nice way to pick off each character. The Dalek action is picking them off one by one. That's nightmarish. It's based under siege, but based under siege in the middle of East London. Like, it's night. I thought that was brilliant. Where I struggle a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> it's why they, why they cloned the soldiers. Probably to contain <laughs> everything down below in case they wanted. Probably to contain the situation down below. But they put them up against Daleks and like they're little soldiers and they just all get shot again. I suppose they adjudicate them just keep everything secure and make sure Tegan and everyone else in the virus is secure and so on. Oh, uh, possibly, yeah. And Davros has decided to turn some Daleks towards his agenda. Mm. And then the Supreme Daleks like, I have had enough of this. <laughs> Kill them. Yeah, they sound strange, don't they, in this one? Yeah. You will return to Gallifrey, where you will kill the high priest. That's another thing. So I'm a little bit lost with the soldiers. I think they should have just died. And then, you know, because mm. do we need them if Lytton's down there anyway? And the policemen, lads. You don't really need no, the army. They needed as many corpses as they could get for Tegan to walk over and then go, it's stop being fun, Doctor. <laughs> Can't fucking deal with this anymore, mate. This is fucking <laughs> terrible. We used They're going to die. I mean, in my first one, Auntie Vanessa died. And now, now everyone's dying. <laughs> <laughs> Andrix died and she didn't give a toss. Oh no, she well, kind of did, did. Actually, she did Who'd, kind of yeah. actually. Actually, I'll take that back. She did, and she did she end did. up staying behind reluctantly. 
We will get back to those deaths because I'm, I'm, I've got listed them all and it's long. Um, I won't go for all of them, but I've got some highlights. Let's go for the other plot then where it seems like it's all leading to, which is they're going to clone the Doctor to go back to Gallifrey to kill the High Council. What do you make of that? Is that necessary? Uh, well, they always had their thing against Time Lords. They did. Yeah, it's part the of the Time War, do we think? Like early days. Well, I think of... it was always. I think that Russell took took advantage of the fact that the Daleks were always heading that way. And mm. what was even genius was making it arc back to the, the you know the fourth Doctor set the wheel was in motion when he went back to kill Davros and he didn't. Mm. Uh, yeah, I the fact I, that I, the Time Lords like that. would even consider that meant right. You pricks are going down. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I get to me, though, I think in 1982, I think this came out, that was written in because if you think about it, this is actually a very Doctor Light story. It's almost what do we do with him? We better do something with him because, because it turns out the bloke from the Lightly Lads is a, he's a Dalek agent. <laughs> <laughs> first of all, he's a Dalek agent, then he's a double agent, or so I don't know. But anyway, but he's right. The first bit is where <laughs> he's talking about is wanting to eat something. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, are you sure you haven't got anything to eat? No. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very hungry. I'd like some food. Uh, what? It's weird. This guy hasn't got a character trait. Oh, he's a bit he's a bit shallow. So what we could do? Let's make him hungry. And I work for the Daleks. I am a Dalek angel. <laughs> I feel bad because he was excellent in the Lightly Lads. He's supposed to be part a big part of the plot. You know, he is the plot twist at the end of episode three. I'm actually a Dalek agent. Actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you sure you don't have a sandwich? Are you sure you don't have anything to eat? What why what did you make of this character then mine? Uh, he's it could be just because the acting was so poor that I, I was glad when he died. Yeah. <laughs> Was it a miscasting? Because this was so. like a comedy character. Yeah, it probably was. Leslie Grantham's in this. I was surprised to see him. He is. It was actually no. one of his first big roles. Didn't Louise Jameson teach him to act in prison? Yes, I think she helped yeah, him yeah. get this, this role as well, yeah. Leslie Grantham, actor and murderer. He was, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. sex scandal. Fact. Oh, yeah. That's Remember that? Captain Hook. We should clarify, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just wanking on the webcam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can that be the opening to this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, that is actually a scene in Resurrection of the Daleks. It's very dark, as we said. <laughs> Let's see, wanking on the webcam. It's not being fun, Doctor. <laughs> Everyone's wanking on webcam. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't do anything wrong, really. Oh, I mean, the murder was wrong. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but he did his time and he became an actor. So yeah, he is he's really good in it as well. I quite like I quite like his character. He's, he's something quite sinister about him. As he's kind of because you think back in Genesis of the Daleks, you have, you know, a very kind of weedy side character to to, to Davros as his henchman. And then in this one he has got this kind of strong and silent type with him, which I think is really good. And also speaking of EastEnders, Lofty from EastEnders appears as well. He's the, the scientist who wears white, and he gets the thing in his oh, neck that makes him... right. That, that bit was fantastic. The facial expression yeah. he does, uh, 
welcome. <laughs> <laughs> His eyes widened so much. It's, it's just, it's just brilliant. Well, it was Terry Malloy's first appearance as Davros, and oh, good old I Tezza. think we can all say he he nailed it. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was great. That line he gives at the end of the, I think it's one of the yeah. episodes where he gives that speech is really good. He will always be Davros to me. I think Terry Malloy. Mm. Yeah, I'm extremely difficult to kill. <laughs> you should already know that. Yeah. <laughs> then he um, has a, <laughs> then he jizzes everywhere. <laughs> on the webcam. Looking yeah. back at that, no, he, he genuinely, when Davros dies, <laughs> he's just spunk everywhere. I remember being quite like haunted by that death, like being like, oh my God, like Davros has got the disease. I, I always and, found it and, weird where the Daleks start to get affected by the virus once it's released and the, 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 the and they foam everywhere that bursts out of them and it looks horrible it really yeah, it does. does but with with davros it just looks like it's coming out of his <laughs> well you, you don't it's see like you don't see his other hand do you bukaki of the daleks <laughs> it's tucked in and he's got his hand out he's going whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> fucking gooning everywhere <laughs> like jesus god <laughs> just I well, because obviously watched it back for this and I've all, I've never found that scene funny but maybe it shows how immature I am now because I just burst out laughing <laughs> that scene like, I, I would have been more like, if he started melting or something that would have been really grim but just having him sort of boogie around and white foam everywhere oh dear oh Terry well oh. done for him taking that seriously though imagine being told yeah so basically you're in a chair and then just all this white Stuff goes everywhere. What do you mean? Well, he's dying. Yeah, I get that. And uh, he's got the disease. Yeah, again, I get this. Why is there white stuff coming out of his chair everywhere? He's like, that's what happens to you, mate, when you die. <laughs> sounds like quite a good disease to die of, to be honest. Yeah, sounds all right. The one actor that stood out for the whole thing was Morris Colburn, or Colborn, or however you say his name, who played Lytton. Yeah, Lytton's oh, a very interesting character. Yeah. So very good. I love this classic series when it's played really, really straight. You're right. Looking back at yes, some of the the actors a bit hammy, but some of the greatest episodes I think have got hammy acting in. Doesn't necessarily bother me, but I really love a classic series when the the actor plays it straight. It's why Tom Baker's you know season is so well remembered because every even if it was a rubbish episode of Tom Baker, he played it so seriously and made you believe in it and with this one i think yeah the two stand out is is Lytton and rula lenska's character as well like she's so cutting such a strong female character especially for classic who and i think it's a real shame that the doctor never gets to meet her which is something i only reckon realized recently she never gets to actually meet the doctor and i think that would have been such a good standoff considering that peter davison's character was quite soft having this she's almost like the doctor in some ways She's almost like the, the first Doctor or like Peter Capaldi Doctor, very to the point. Like when the, there's gas everywhere, she just whips her mask off, going, I don't no. really care. There's something really nice about those two characters. And again, not only would it have been nice for her to have met the Doctor, but to have met Lytton as well. I think there could have been some really good dialogue there. There's a lot of um, strong female characters in here. You've got Osborne, she's on the ship, the one that shoots the guy who gets the disease. Yeah. And then you got kind of, I guess, the prototype to Osgood. Yes. looking after Tegan. Oh, yes. And I wonder if she was any source of inspiration to Stephen Moffat. Well, I mean, (laughs) would I be... Can I ask a question? And feel free to answer, honestly. (laughs) Would you like to see Osgood die in the same way? Yes. 
Because <laughs> her, again, we'll get on to the deaths. That death is horrific, looking back. That is quite horrible. Yeah. Anyway, on to deaths in a bit. I'm looking forward to that bit. What do you guys make of the character of Lytton overall? Because he comes back in Attack of the Sidemen and he's got a comic book range now, which I've just started reading. He's kind of this detective in the 70s. I would be interested because I think... Uh, He's almost like a character we didn't deserve in that era of the of the show. He was mm. so good, and really, he would fit in fantastically in the new series. Obviously, I don't mean bring Lytton back. You can't. Spoiler alert. But I, I think that for that era, he was he was better than the show in a way. It's a bit like do you remember when we were talking. We, we were talking only about the Sill character. Yeah, we did a Sill episode many mm. years ago uh, about when the movie came out. I think Sill was too good for the era. He was so he was the best baddie of the eighties by a mile. He was so good, so well acted, so disgusting, and he was he's better than Adventures of Veros is a good is a good episode, but he is the star. Like he just you don't even notice Colin Baker in the room when he's there. And I feel with Lytton, he just, not just the way it's performed, but the sort of story arc we have as well, because he's horrific in this story. And I think that's what I mean when I talk about how this story stands out and why it's dark, because this was the era, bear in mind, of the pantomime villain. It was the Ainley's master. It was chuckling and laughing and, you know, evil um, sort of dictators and the Rani and all good characters, but they were very, the sort of baddie you'd find in a, in a children's TV show. Lytton shouldn't be anywhere near a children's TV show. He's brutal. He's manipulative. He's quite nasty. And that's great. But then the added sort of cherry on the cake is his redemption in Revenge of the Cybermen, that he's actually working for the good guys. Attack of the Sidemen, sorry. Um, he, um, he's working for the good guys. And I think that's an amazing... When I first saw Attack of the Sidemen, you know, I was, I think I was probably like 14 or something. I was amazed at that. What a twist. That's the biggest twist for me in the classic series, is, is that, that he's actually working for the good guys. And there's that brilliant scene that I think could have gone on for longer when the Doctor approached him and just says, why did... You know, some Collins' best work when he says to him, why didn't you tell me? There's so much in that line when he says it to him. Is It's a bit of a shame the way he's dressed Lytton, at the time um, with a giant kind of bits of a PC tucked down his trousers. But it's it's just such an interesting thing. I know we're getting into a different episode now, but when, you know, the day is saved, the Doctor is still like, oh, I don't feel like that went very well on a personal level. When did we ever hear the Doctor say that? He brings something out of the show. And, and unfortunately, again, we didn't get much of him with the Doctor in this. It would have maybe been nice to get a trilogy. I might have liked to have seen one more episode with Peter Davison and then it finished with Colin Baker. Because it did seem to hint like these two were going to face each other at one point. Poor analogy, maybe. But it does feel that kind of Obi-Wan could be Darth Vader. They're going to meet at some point and there's going to be hell to pay. I think he is probably one of the greatest characters that the classic series ever had. How would you guys feel about a recast, say, Big Finish, wanting to use the character? No. I think where the comics succeed is that it's a sideways medium that works. Replacing doesn't quite, I don't think it quite works in this particular role. You can maybe mimic the voice, but that charm's not going to be there. It's definitely once in a, in a only a one-person character role. I mean, although we've had, like, you know, people play John Pertwee or... Many people play Patrick Stratton, but 
Me. Or, you know, or, or then several William... Which is a shame, by the way. Which is an absolute several, shame. And several William Hartnells. I think it's because their voices, although they are, you know, no one's ever going to be able to replace them. So it, they, at the best, they're a tribute. And they're also, from an impressionist standpoint, their voices really stand out. With Troughton, you haven't heard another actor speak like that. Same with John Pertwee, I suppose. Even his son doesn't sound like him. Um, no. And William Harlow. Oh, yes, yes. You know, they all become good caricature characters and voices. And, I don't, and Lytton avoids that, which makes it so difficult to portray. So, no, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't expect that to ever be done. And I, and I hope that they don't do it. I know some of the big Finnish stories are one person reading it as a story. There's some of those things. I wouldn't mind maybe something like that, but I wouldn't want him to be properly recast as a character in there. Because I, I find that my issue with Big Finish sometimes. We, you get like a, a decent-ish character, and then, then someone's like, oh, did you see the Big Finish when he met 10? No, I don't. I don't do we need that? Like, I don't want the endless Litton adventures and he bumps into every Doctor, because it, it takes away, I think, the original Stop. We, this, he doesn't need to meet anyone. What I will say is it does feel like there's been a little bit more between them. I, I don't... There could maybe be one story in between. It's a bit like I was saying earlier. I think this, this kind of his arc deserved a trilogy. So maybe you could put something in the middle there. But it's quite obvious that it's the first time he meets Lytton is Resurrection. The last time he meets him is Attack of the Cybermen. But to me, they don't meet enough in Re- in Resurrection, the Daleks, for the Doctor to have that much animosity towards him in Attack of the Sidemen. So it feels like there's a story there we are missing. So maybe that's something Big Finish could do with, with Peter or Colin. But I don't think you're going to be able to recast him and do it justice. But I wouldn't mind like seeing it in a, in a comic book or in a story, something like that. So how did it compare to you guys re-watching it now to when you were kids? I think, as Sam said earlier, it's only now you sort of appreciate how horribly violent it was. But I think in your case, Martin, when you went to watch it, it's like being told by someone you don't want to watch The Omen or Halloween because they're too scary. And Mm. you've spent years knowing this or being told this. And then you watch it and go, actually, that's not bad. That's not that bad. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, it, it's not as bad as you thought it was going to be, which is probably why it was a bit of a letdown for you. It's just the overhype of uh, how scary it is. It's like when people say, oh, God, this film is so terrifying. And you go and watching it, no, I've seen scarier. I would say that's true because we have hyped it up massively to Martin. I think as everyone could categorically agree, it's such a, it, it, when you're watching the season ahead of it, you've got, Warriors of the Deep, which is which starts off with, is the most ridiculous. It's a. It would have worked better as an audio <laughs> than mm. it would have in any visual sense. It's, the visuals ruin that story. And then you got the Awakening, Frontios. I'm looking at my DVD collection. I haven't got a good memory. And then suddenly, the most violent bloodshed of Resurrection of the Daleks. And then it goes to faff around in Lanzarote. <laughs> it feels like psychological uh, warfare in a sense because you you basically you get to that point you've got sitting down in front of you and then you're like oh what's going on and then something the next episode is Jesus Christ this is what the oh my God that that's a and then you go oh planet of fire oh some people respecting uh, some I don't know some religious thing oh that's all right masters in it that's okay that's a bit camp. Okay, that's fine. I'm relaxed now. 
And then suddenly Caves of Androzani comes in. And you're like, fucking hell, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> After the Doctor in the most, which I think is one of the, well, you know, I will briefly touch, is probably one of the better regenerations because it's so out of the blue. You know, it's so yeah. hard. It's really epic, exciting. And I know, Jesus Christ. And then just to cap off, just to calm you down, there's a little bit of extra... This twin dilemma just to finish off. <laughs> it's, such a, it's like a bizarre thing. So you, your heart rate, it, it feels like a high intensity course. You know, you, you're suddenly doing a, you start off with a steady pace, you get to a, suddenly a sprint. <laughs> then you, and then you're back to sort of a bit of a, a bit of a jog. And then a then another sort of pelting sprint as if you're being chased by dogs. And then you're back to basically crawling. It's such a bizarre thing. It really, it fuck you up when you think about it. But I think kids just didn't give a shit watching it. I mean, in answer to your question, Martin, how do I feel now? I actually feel a bit more sensitive to it now, I think, maybe, of being quite shocked at the deaths, which kind of leads into the bit I've been looking forward to, which is let's take a look at the deaths in this episode. I've written down a few highlights. So I did mention, of course, the old man who just gets shot as a bystander <laughs> at the beginning. That's brutal. There's the way each one dies, but in particular, the, the way the guy hands him a radio and he goes, it's dead, and he just points a gun with a silencer on it to his head. They really thought this through, the various kind of Dalek deaths. I do quite like it when we talk about the Daleks. They only really sort of have a spree, killing spree at the beginning, and they kind of come into a room where like i think it's like the uh, control deck and they sh they shoot like three in a row they just go like down brutal love it and then there's just some horrible ones so there's the old man who is um oh he's got his the metal, metal detector, detector down the by the waterfront yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tegan's what the hell is that about yeah. For years, I thought, who is he? Do we know him? And it's like, she goes, hi. And then he, <laughs> she, she just, there's no reason to shoot him. It's, they just, just, it's, it's just unnecessarily cruel violence. Yeah, that day, isn't it's, it? It's, 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 yeah. it is cruel. And it's the same as when, we'll call her Osgood for this, Osgood's mum. <laughs> um, you know, when she she runs out and they shoot in the back. Like, it's like, mm. What? Like, well, I watched that again the other day. I thought, God, did that really happen? I, I just, I love the idea that in the production meeting for the season, they're just sitting there, and then John Nathan Turner's sitting there in his Hawaiian shirt, and then there's a massive line of cocaine in the middle. And Eric <laughs> Sayward just gives a, hear me out, guys. I've got an idea. Let's produce the first 15 to 18 year old episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be, genuinely now, if you put those scenes in now, it wouldn't get past. I don't think you would see... It'd be a 15-rated thing, yeah. It would be like Torchwood. I oh, yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely don't mm. think you would have a, an innocent bystander just shot in the background. I don't think you'd see a woman running away and being shot in the back. I just don't see that going into a, into an episode now. There are some... <laughs> towards the end, it's like we're running out of time. Who else can we kill? So they kill uh, Davros's new friend. They kill the uh, the other commander who's with Rudolenska. They kill everyone <laughs> who's in their room. That's quite a brutal shootout. And then, of course, they kill Likely Lad as well in one of the, in one of the funniest deaths because he's already been shot by a um, Dalek trooper. Dun, 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 <laughs> <laughs> And this... <are> you... <laughs> 
love, I, I actually love the music in this episode, though. Um, <laughs> what an uh, explosion! <laughs> Just like basically the opening credits start again. He sort of yeah. he gets shot. And what I like is, is that the one thing I like is that the Daleks don't say exterminate when they shoot sometimes. They just look at him blankly and he just goes, he falls back. Then he just, the way he just goes. Also, what says that him jumping on that would mean that they die? Like if they just jumping on it made them die, why did they do all the fiddly bits with it? Why did they just jump on it? Hold it. If you watch as well, he's holding his balls when he jumps. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, still good. Think, um, I still think when because he finishes what the others fail to do uh, mm-hmm. when they try to say it's just a, such a cruel episode of of just death like when they're just about to blow up the, you know they're just finishing up and the already but it's too late lit and these mates have just come in and massacre the whole yeah. fucking lot of them uh, while and bear uh, in mind and then they're, got, they're committing suicide at that moment yeah. that's dark for the old yeah. series yeah all from committing suicide and uh, it's just horrible what was it? What happened? Um, Turlo being full arsehole in this. He just—I don't even. To be honest, when I watched it as a young, uh, when I was a young kid, I generally got confused as to where the hell he disappeared to, and he just turns mm. up every now and again. I actually really loved Turlo in this episode. Like to me, he was one of my favourite companions because I didn't see him in anything else for years. And in this, there's none of this kind of smarmy private school. I know better than you think. He's genuinely sort of mysterious for the first episode. He's just looking around like, I don't feel safe here, which is great because you never see another companion do that. Mm. And then later on, he's just quite badass. Like, because the guy's about to shoot Tegan and he punches him. He full on whacks him. Then he's like, for the first time ever, shows real concern for Tegan. He's like, she's just afraid. Like, that's quite adult for him. And then yeah, there's that yeah. bit where he, he get, has that quite good relationship with that other captain. And he basically says, we've got to go. And he says, we're going back. And he points the gun at his face. Yeah, yeah. And that's quite intense. Mm. There's just him and the doctor have a different relationship throughout it. They they just seem very, just cold. The way he, he's in shock when Tegan leaves. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of doesn't know what to do. He sort of holds her hand. I, I think he's great in this. And I do think a lot of the, all three of them actually are a lot better. Doctor seems to just stop fucking around. He seems to be a lot serious in this. Just going back to the death thing quickly, I, one thing I forgot about is that when they've killed these people and they have to clone them, they dump their bodies in a room. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. sick. Because, oh, yeah. like, not only are they dead, they're, like, decaying. And you see them, like, choking. Then they have to put their hand over their mouth because they get the smell and they like choke it. And you see all the soldiers just lying there decaying and they, they're sort of coughing and there's that horrible noise. And he has to put like a tissue over his mouth and that. It's, oh, it's just horrible. It's just a lot of stuff. They've gone, not brutal enough, put that in. Not sick <laughs> enough, put that in. It's just, just strange. It, I like it. But uh, but it has now as an adult shocked me more seeing how kind of brutal it is. I'm trying to think if I've missed any deaths. I mean, I definitely have because there's loads. But any that really, oh, of course, the guy who gets gassed, who doesn't have enough helmets, and you just see, you just get a horrible close, slow close up of his face melting. Again, that would not oh, be in the new yeah. series. It's grim. So, what do you guys make of Tegan's exit? I mean, generally, anyone in their right mind would go, "No, this is too much." I was surprised that Tegan turned up in the, in the Power of the Doctor. I thought she would have topped herself after that. You know, that, that's, the, the mm. images in her head should mm. have really stuck with her for the rest of her life because it was quite a horrific thing for them to see. 
Well, I don't know. I, it felt kind of disappointing that that was how it how it ended, but it was the only way they could have ended it. Mm. It's depressing. I, mm. I do think that that's a, that's a key to a lot of this. Is that it's quite depressing. You expect it to go a certain way. I think that's maybe why I'm a bit shocked now is because there are similar setups throughout the whole series where you think well they'll be all right because they're with the doctor so he starts off with all these goodies they're army soldiers you think well a few of them will survive they all die including the female the very innocent female and then you've got the guys on the spaceship you go well this is what normally happens they'll run around a bit they're all a bit lost hope then they meet the doctor and then he'll save them no they commit suicide they basically say we're going to commit suicide (laughs) and blow ourselves up with this ship but before they can there's one reach to do it and they she gets shot and it is and then at the end obviously you've got the all the majority the extra characters die and yeah Tegan's who was quite a sort of comedy centric character especially in the early days with with Adric and Nissa, she's quite fun. She's funny, and to have her leave in those circumstances is is brutal. And that line as well from the doctor at the end is like, "It's funny. I, I actually left Gallifrey for the same reasons." Is quite is quite deeper than you think because he's basically saying, "Look what's happened." Although I will say this: Where the hell did she go after this? And who the hell found all those bodies in East London? Because at some point we know that was rejuvenated. Imagine coming across that massacre, and also like. Imagine Tegan explaining where she's been, because the last thing the police know is that they found her Aunt Vanessa dead. Well, they found the car Mm. by the side of the road. They find Aunt Vanessa dead. Yeah. And uh, like two years later, she appears. People would have thought she was dead. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. It's, It's very... Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the writer, that's the end of his story, doesn't need to do anything else. But it just, it's such a mess they leave it in. Yeah, it's its its very, it's, yeah, I think depressing is the word, which is out of character for the old series. A lot of the old cliches of Doctor Who just get lost. It's like almost it, it leaves being the show for a little bit and the characters change. You know, Tegan, we never see Tegan that that deep and that depressed and that upset in any other episode it's it, that's why i think it stands out for me is that it, we've seen the, the mental effects of being a companion in the new series maybe that's why it didn't stick out to you as much uh, martin because some of those things are explored in the new series and there are yeah. some quite darker moments but back then i think it, it does stick out like a sore thumb but i'd say that's a, that's a positive thing we should talk about the it's a sin reconstruction russell t davis recreated a scene yeah. of this it was a homage to this episode but it was also a homage to the actor from remembrance of the daleks yeah yeah young gay actor who who unfortunately died of of aids complications but yeah they, they wear the costume don't they it's the the costume that yeah they uh, do the whole is, corridor scene yeah yeah it, it's nicely done that i think we're going to leave it here tonight because we've had a number of technical <laughs> difficulties tonight <sighs> yeah so there's Mavellan virus in yeah, the system. That's probably what it is. It's because we laughed at the Bukaka of the Daleks. They're coming after us. <laughs> Have we lost Chris, by the way? No, I'm still here. Okay. Oh, All right. All right, guys, why don't you just quickly rate this episode and then we'll bugger off. I'll go 6.5. I'll, I'm going to go 8 out of 10 for me. Oh, well. Um, purely out of nostalgia. I like it sticks out in the, on the old series. Oh, man, 6.7. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think that's on a retrospect now you've raised some very good points that I thought actually yeah that's pretty that doesn't make sense but yeah there is the nostalgia of it but and also uh, it, I'd rate it for different reasons for the violence it'd be a 
20 out of 10. Uh, for the <laughs> for, for plot, it'd be 6 out of 10. So it's just a, a strange episode to slot in. Mm. I mean, the same Doctor who's fought a giant inflatable snake. Um, yeah. You know, and three of the, well, two of the three dullest stories in the trilogy facing a guy with a bird on his head. And then suddenly, <laughs> and then you have Chameleon, for God's sake. Um, oh, he's technically still there, isn't he? Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. Imagine him in this story. I mean, just... Uh, Can you do Chameleon? Ter- chameleon terrifies me. No, not very well. But uh, imagine if it, if, if it was a bit... <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this today. If, imagine yeah. just in the middle of all that, with the sort, he just sort of wanders out. It's all lanky. I like to think he pops out, like in all the stories between King's Demon and Planet of Fire. I like to think that he just pops out. I reckon he went around London a little bit, just went for a little walk, had a little look around. Yeah, a good little walk oh, around the other areas of London. He just didn't stick around the that area. <laughs> I, I like no one else seemed that, to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I hope that in the novel version, it ends Martin with, you know, uh, you know, and then Tegan with tears in her eyes runs down through the streets of London and she bumps into Chameleon. They sort of like, oh, you're off. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll take him. All right, then. All right. See you later then. What have I missed? No, not a lot. Comes back in, just walks in with all the bodies. Oh, dear. This is most unkind. Yeah. Because he was there somewhere. I reckon it definitely uh, set up the sort of tone they wanted for Colin Baker, though. Oh, I think so, yeah. Because that opens some more harrowing and disgusting things. Uh, <laughs> mm. But, um, yeah, such an odd episode. All right, guys, let's say good night, good evening, or good morning to our listeners. All right. All right.